we always want to kick off our family meeting with a time just to celebrate. And what, a, what I can't think of anything better than to celebrate the faithfulness of sharing the gospel and, and, and seeing someone's life changed but because we're faithful to do that. So that we want to encourage you guys, kind of start off with that tonight. But I want to come back to that in a minute. But first, you guys see down in front of me here, uh, we have a team standing in front of me, and this is a team that's going to Honduras uh, the week of March 19th. So March 19th through the 26th, they'll actually come back the Saturday late, right before Easter Sunday. And Pastor Gene's leading that team, and they'll be going down and working with one of our partners in Central America called Open Eyes or Open Eyes Ministries. And that team will be doing a lot of medical ministry. If you look across here, we've got uh, people in the dental uh, medical field and all that, in addition to evangelism and all the things that we would normally do as part of a, a mission project. So one of the things we want to do is is not just recognize them, but commission them. You know, in Acts, we see that, that the church commissioned people out. They sent people out on mission, and then those people came back and reported to the church what had happened. So what I want to do is is with this team right here, we want to we want to commission them and we want to pray over them as they as they travel here in, in a couple of weeks to go to Honduras to share the gospel. So I think it's a beautiful picture. We just saw a video of being on mission locally. Mindy, Mindy's on mission locally, and these guys are on mission crossing another culture. So we want to be a part of a church that does both of those things and celebrates both of those things. So if you guys will bow your heads, and uh, I want to pray with this team and commission them to go out. Father, you are... You are so good to us, and, and we just thank you that we're able to go to Central America, to Honduras, uh, as a team, as a church, and work with open eyes to, to serve people, not only uh, to meet their medical needs and their dental needs and, and just some basic physical needs that they have, but Father, that we can minister to them, that we can share the gospel with them, that we can proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to them, they can repent and turn from their sin and place their faith in Jesus Father, so I pray for this team as they, as they gather all the supplies they have, all their medical supplies that they're taking. I pray for this team as they prepare to, to leave their, their spouses and, and maybe their children and family members. And most of them are taking vacation and having to leave a job for a week to go. So, Father, I pray that you go before them and you prepare the hearts of the people in Honduras to receive the gospel. I pray for the open eyes team that will be there to work with them and, and the translators that will go out with them. Father, I pray that, that you are glorified and made much of as, as we go to the nations uh, with the gospel. I pray for Gene as he, as he leads this team and, and, and the burden he bears just to, to make sure things are coordinated logistically and everybody's together and everybody's ready and everybody's prepared. And, and Father, we just, we just celebrate in advance uh, your goodness and your mercy as this team goes out. So, Father, during, during that week of, of March 19th to 26th, I pray that we all put, put notes on our calendars, on our eye calendars, however we need to do that, just to pray every day for that team. Pray that, that lives are transformed and changed because of the gospel and because of the ministry that they're doing. And pray for their families that they leave behind. And, Father, we just thank you for that. Father, we, we praise you that you are a sending God and that we are a sent people on mission, and we thank you for that. And may you be glorified, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you guys give it up for the Honduras team here as they go back to their seats? (laughs) 
You know, this is why we go out and share the gospel. I thought, I watched Mindy's video earlier this week, and it's amazing to be part of a church that, that does all of this. In other words, we're not just a church that says, only do that locally, or, or we're not the church that says, man, we just have to go on mission trips. We do all of that. The gospel goes out from us. You know, every day when you guys, every Sunday when you guys walk out these doors and you walk out to your cars and go home, you are sent on mission. And uh, I want to remind us about that. It's, it's a biblical text, you guys know, but I thought, I was thinking today, uh, you know, the mission doesn't just start and stop with the mission trip. You know, the other 51 weeks of the year that that team is here, they're on mission. And, and the mission doesn't just start and stop with, with people that we're praying for, unbelievers we're praying for, uh, to hear the gospel, right? We, we want to engage them. We want to share the gospel with them. So, so the mission never stops, and I think that's exciting. So let me remind us again of why we do this. So the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says this, and these are the words of Jesus. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You guys probably know that's, that's the Great Commission. That's one of really five Great Commission texts that we read in the New Testament, but we believe and we know the local church is part of fulfilling the Great Commission. That, that's why we're here, that all followers of Jesus Christ are to go and make disciples, that evangelism really means uh, to declare or share the good news. It's a very specific thing that we do. It's, it's, it's sharing the gospel with people. It's, it's calling people to repent of their sin and to turn in faith to Christ and place their, their faith in him. It's, it's, what, it's what many just talked about. Is, is she was able to speak the gospel, that, that the Holy Spirit recalled scripture to her mind, Romans, Romans 10, 9, and, and those other things, and she was able to, to minister to her and share the gospel with her, and that's what we do. So for the global glory of God, we are going out and making disciples both here and around the world. And, you know, I thought about it in Acts 1, 8, if you, if you remember that text, that Jesus said to go to the ends of the earth. Well, at that time, this was the ends of the earth right? So, so because of missionaries that spread through Europe and, and missionaries that came overseas here, here to what is the United States today, the gospel came here. And because of that, now we send missionaries back. And I think that's amazing to, to think about that. So evangelism is done through the church, which is us, by the people of the church, which is us. That's why we're here. That's why it exists. God doesn't have another plan for the gospel to go out. If he, if he wanted to, he could. But, it, but in Acts, the church was birthed to spread the gospel message. And, and even today, if you were here this morning, Daniel was, was preaching in the early verses of Colossians chapter 1. You know, how many times did Paul mention the gospel even early in that text? And, and Daniel even today stopped and explained, this is the gospel. This is the message that we are to declare. So, as his name, as the name of God is made famous among all the nations or all the peoples of the earth, that's how the church is going out and making disciples. And so I want us to just really soak in this a little bit, you know, as, as we think about Mindy's video, as we think about uh, the Honduras team that will leave here in two and a half weeks, 
that, you know, the gospel changes everything. I, I, I don't want to, I can't imagine being part of a church that didn't proclaim the gospel to all peoples. I, I don't know what you would do, but that's the core of who we are. So the gospel changes everything. And why would I say that? Well, we want to grow as disciples ourselves, right? That's why we that's why we have study groups. That's why we have life groups. That's why we preach from the biblical text on a Sunday morning. And then as we grow, we grow. We go out and we make disciples. And then we, we teach them how to follow the commands of Christ. And they go out and tell somebody else, and they teach them to follow the commands of Christ. That's how the church spreads, and that's, that's exciting to, to be a part of that. You know, I even thought about this. Paul, I think several times, has referenced Psalm 127. Let me read uh, Psalm 127, 4, it says, Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth. And, you know, we, we've talked about this before. Arrows are meant to be shot out, right? Arrows are really an offensive weapon, right? I don't sit at home and hold my arrows. I don't build a wall out of arrows. I don't hoard my arrows. I don't bury my arrows in the ground. I shoot my arrows out. And I love that picture. That's why we have arrows on the wall of our house, it's that reminder of we are a sent out people, and specifically our children are sent out. So I thought, you know, we're going to talk about the family discipleship plan a little bit later tonight. That's the core of raising children. The core of raising our children is they become followers of Jesus Christ, and then we send them out. I don't know what that looks like for you guys. It might be here locally. It might be around the world. But, but even as we talk about going, the, the, the means of that is our family. So the family discipleship plan, even in the Great Commission sense, is, is going to help you equip your family to send them out on mission. That's what, that's what we want to do. So I'm excited for Austin coming here and excited for, for how we can partner with parents to do that. So as we, as we think about Easter coming up, which is uh, three weeks from today, actually, really close, what I want you guys to think about is why do we celebrate Easter? You know, I know there's, there's the Easter bunny, there's, there's candy, there's the big hats, there's new clothes. But ultimately, as far as the Jesus Christ, we celebrate the resurrection, right? We celebrate the fact that our Savior was dead and buried and he rose again on that third day. And we celebrate that. Guys, that is good news. That is great news. So even in conversations as, as we lead up to Easter, I think we all have tremendous opportunities to, to talk about why we celebrate Easter. You know, so even... You certainly have the opportunity to invite a friend to church, invite a coworker to church. But I think leading into Easter and leading out of Easter, you have to have that conversation about what is the gospel? Why do we celebrate the resurrection? What does that look like? Who do you believe Jesus is? And certainly if they come here on Sunday, they will, they will hear a gospel message. So, so guys, think about this. As Easter's coming up, if we as a church don't proclaim the gospel, if we as a church don't talk about the risen Christ, who will? I mean, the answer is no one. And so that, that's, that's a burden and a joy for us to go out and to share the gospel. So think about the, the names that you guys wrote down a few weeks ago. If you were here on Sunday, we wrote down names on a card of unbelievers, people we know that don't know Jesus. And we came and, and we laid them across uh, the steps here. And we have Hundreds of names of people that we're praying for that are not far as of Jesus. And, and, and we have a tremendous opportunity to go talk to them about that. And, 
you know, how can you engage them in spiritual conversation? How can you lead to sharing the gospel with them? Just like Mindy, you know, Mindy would love for her friend to come to church. It's awesome. But you know what? At that point in time, Mindy had to be faithful and pray and say, give me the words. I need to talk to her now. She couldn't put it off and say, well, come to Easter in three weeks. I hope she comes. But the point is we always have to be ready to share that good news. So one of the things that we're doing, our, our global outreach team at Tri-Cities, is continuing to help equip you guys. And that's mainly going to be through our life group structure. We think life group is, is obviously where life happens, where we have those conversations. Uh, part of our time is dedicated to talking about how are you advancing the Great Commission. And so on our website, on our, on our Go pages, we're, we're putting up new pages called Share the Gospel. Within that are things like Mindy's video and another video that's, that's about 12 minutes long. It's a roundtable of different people in our church talking about how they share the gospel. There's, there's articles to read. There's, there's books that we recommend. So I encourage you guys to go there. It's tcbchurch.org backslash share. And there's all kinds of really good resources there. And encourage your life groups to talk about that as well. And our point is we want to equip you guys and to challenge you guys to go out and share the good news of Jesus Christ all the time. Easter is a great opportunity to really talk about that, to bring a friend to church, and, and to really have them over for a meal, whatever that is, to talk to them about Jesus. So, once again, be encouraged. Be encouraged by stories like Mindy's, that, that people, when they hear the good news, they can respond to that. They can put their faith in Jesus Christ, and their lives can be changed. The Bible says they're taken from darkness into light, and that's a tremendous thing to celebrate and then also, once again, pray for a Honduras team uh, March 19th through the 26th as they go and cross cultures to share the gospel. And we'll be coming back late Saturday night and be here with us Sunday morning, which will be exciting to, to see them and, and hear what's happened. So thank you, guys. Uh, thank you for celebrating with us for these teams. And I'm going to turn it over to Daniel now. I want to continue by just talking a little bit about our church and our future and where we're at and where we would like to go. But I want to walk us through a little bit of an exercise first, okay? So um, how many of you, by show of hands, you sit roughly in the same section every Sunday? Can I see your hands? All right, that's pretty much all of us, okay? Remember that. We'll come back to that one in a minute. Let's play another game, another game, okay? Uh, how many of you work, and at your workplace, you work with a team or in a group setting? Can I see your hands? That's a lot of people. Okay. Um, how many of you are not like Jim and Renee Thompson and live on a mountain where you have no neighbors with miles? Jim and Renee, if you're here, I love you. Um, how many of you have neighbors that you could walk to their house if you needed to? Let, let's see. Look at that. Okay, so we all... We have neighbors. We have neighbors. Okay. Here's what I want to point out to us. There are a lot of exciting things happening at Tri-Cities Baptist Church. A lot. But the things that you just raised your hand to are the very challenges that are in front of us. It's the fact that if anything extraordinary will happen in the midst and the lives of our church, it will be because we run to Jesus with reckless abandon taking him to the simple places that we sit, the places we live, the places we work, the places we play, and on mission to places that we would never be. 
And I want to kind of break all that down, and I want to thank you first for filling out our survey last week. We don't have all the results in, but we've got a few, and I want to walk you through a few of them, all right? So first thing I want you to to recognize is we continue to increase in our membership here at Tri-Cities Baptist Church. Matter of fact, 2015 was one of the... um, the highest years in terms of new members of our church, people who say, this is my body, this is my local assembly of believers, this is the place that I want to commune with other believers, that I want to serve, that I want to be invested in. So we continue to grow there. By the way, the people in our church are growing, and we see that in a lot of different ways. One, we just flat out ask those who were here last week, how many of you guys are growing? Three out of every four said that the church has been used mightily to help them grow over the last year. On top of that, we see higher retention rates in our study groups than we've seen in a long time. Our life groups, we have more people involved in life groups than we have to this point. And as a matter of fact, we reached a really unique milestone. 51%, that's the majority, 51% said, I'm in a life group. Guys, I want you to know, for us at our church to begin to come alongside of people and see that they have real deep fellowship where there's accountability, where they can talk about what God is doing in their life, where they can worship in conversation, where they can be held accountable to the gospel mission. That was a goal going back for us for three years, and we're seeing ourselves begin to meet that goal. It's a super exciting thing in our church. Nine percent, nine percent of the people surveyed said they read their Bible through for the first time in 2015. Think about that. That's basically one out of every 10 people read the entire Bible in 2015. 10% of the people of our church read their Bible for the first time in their life from cover to cover last year. I'm just going to tell you, that will change our church. That's an exciting thing. As our people dive deeper into God's word, our people are giving more faithfully. We see that as well. And just in a general anecdotal way, I'm just going to say, from my experience, we seem to be as more unified as a church. We seem to be recognizing that the people that we sit across aren't just somebody, but that's my brother, that's my sister. We seem to be more edifying in our language and in our actions. And even more gospel-centered in the way that we live and interact with one another. These are exciting things. Our Johnson City campus continues to grow. And really is probably at the healthiest point in its existence. We're so excited about what God is doing there. Today was a great morning, by the way, there. As our outreach to internationals who've come here for East Tennessee State continues to expand. So there's many good things that are happening But I also want to talk to you about the future and what really needs to happen in us to see our church continue to grow. And I want to do so by trying to remind you of a little bit of a historical context. And you know those disclaimers where you have those opinions where it's like, uh, this is my opinion and no way is it the opinion of the elders or whatever other group of people. This is just my opinion, okay? Just my opinion. It's not scripture, just my opinion. So they can all, you know, uh, disown me later. The church, over the last generation, valued growing the church more than their mandate of making disciples. Not just our church, I'm talking the larger church. And what we did is is we thought in short-term gains. 
If we can just build these programs and get you to fill these roles, these spots, do these things, then we can bring in multitudes of people. We can hook them in and then we can kind of get them the gospel and we can just keep rotating through that. And in the beginning that was fine, but what happens over time is because of the lack of discipleship, you end up with a leadership void in the church. Tons and tons of baby Christians on milk. And very few discipled, mature believers to invest back in the church. Some of the things in our survey, beyond just the simple understanding of, I go to church, I walk through the routine, should be incredibly alarming to us. And not just because they were in our survey this year, but they're very similar to results we've seen the last year and the year previous. For example, 6% of Tri-Cities Baptist Church has been a believer for less than three years. Only 6% a believer for less than three years. You say, well, we're growing and we have people here because most of them come from other churches. They move here, they relocate, something happens, they're here. But what we're not seeing is tons and tons of people in our church who are believing and placing saving faith in Christ for the first time. 45% of Tri-Cities Baptist Church is new to our church within the last three years. Think about that. That's almost half of our people. By the way, I asked you a question. I said, where do you sit? That matters in this. That matters in this. Think about it. There are new people here all the time. Get to know those people. You're in this room. You've set aside a Sunday night to be here at our family meeting. I'm just going to say that just by that alone, you have leadership potential. All right? You're here. Right? You're here. What I'm saying is give up sitting next to the same person every week. I know it's comfortable. I know you have the relationship. But begin to mingle. Get to know people. Listen, that's work. But that can be gospel work. By the way, don't just show up at the family meeting and go, man, there was like 500 people who weren't there tonight. Who did you invite here? I'm not talking about the lost person. I'm talking about the believers who need to be discipled, who need to come into the church and be rallied together. Who in those study groups and those life groups do you have your arm around saying, man, this is our church. Get them here. We can help each other in these things. But to Jeff's point, and the point that I think is most significant for us, 23% of our people who were surveyed did not share the gospel one time in 2015. And only 33% shared the gospel one or two times in the entire year. Over half of our people only share the gospel once or twice a year. Because we are the ambassadors of Christ. This is our mission. Those people you work with, that is your mission field. Those neighbors that you live next to, that is our mission, Phil. I want to say something as clearly as I can say it to you. Our church 
will not grow. We will not. We are at the ceiling, both organizationally, I can say that for us in the way we're wired as an organization, and I can even say that based on our demographics and where we're at in our community. Listen, we will not grow unless the people of Tri-Cities Baptist Church begin to take the gospel into their workplaces, into their homes, into their communities, and go out on mission and tell people and call them to respond. It's that simple. So all these great things I think are happening in us. I think God is stirring us up for something. But I want you to know that I think what it is is that we might be bold and go out with the gospel. We as a staff and we as leaders have tried to figure out very practical ways that we can help put reminders in front of us, that we can help lead you to pray for boldness. Every, every semester, twice a year, we begin the year by recognizing that there are lost people We name them by name. We close every service here asking that God would give you and give me boldness to take the gospel to them. You are the evangelistic strategy of the church. And if I could give a state of her church, I would tell you that I am so excited for what God is doing in us. But I will tell you it will be for naught if the love of God does not compel us to take the gospel to a lost and dying world around us. I pray that we come to places like this and we celebrate hundreds of Mindy Balls who have a passion for their lost friends, for their lost neighbors, for their lost co-workers. And we're going to begin to work together even more diligently to figure out how do we get to the place that you work? How do we get with you into your neighborhood? How do we come alongside of you and offer more accountability? At this time, I'm going to ask Mike to come on up. I'm going to ask him to give you an update and where he's at, some things with his mom, and I'm going to ask him to take this time to pray for us as a church, to pray that God would give us, listen, us, you, me, boldness, to change our outlook on evangelism, to not see it as the program of the church, but to see it as the mission that we've been called to, that we would go out and we would make 2016 a year that those kinds of numbers radically change in our life. That God would grow our church through the proclamation of the gospel. All right, let me take just a couple seconds. And uh, first, I'd like to say a thank you, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you for the team tonight that's obviously been running things for the past few days and extremely well, with or without me. Uh, I think most of you guys know my mother uh, experienced her home going Tuesday morning at uh, 3.41 a.m. And I had the privilege of being there with her. And um, just want to, with all that's in me, as we talk about what God is doing in the life of this church family, uh, I want to say, as having experienced this family in the past 10 days in ways I never had before, I'm more excited and thrilled to be a part of this family than I ever have. Uh, more excited and thrilled to be part of a life group that has absolutely come around us. We have plenty of food and care and people to take care of our kids and people offering to do Everything from fix windows to mow our grass to our life group literally broke in our house to put food in our refrigerator. Awesome. That's community right there. So uh, let me just say what a joy to be a part of this church family. What a joy to hear statistically what God is doing in our midst. And I just want to say what a joy to be challenged as a church family together. We have a lot of room to grow. We have a lot of room to be challenged in, starting with me and us and areas we want to grow in. 
um, before the Lord because he's worth it. So I want to take a minute and just pray for us tonight. Pray for our boldness. Pray for the glory of God to so uh, captivate us and the love of God that the culture that we watch deteriorating, we watch it. You watch Fox. You watch CNN. You know what's happening. It ought to remind us that people aren't going to wake up tomorrow and go, you know what, I think I'm going to go to church somewhere. It doesn't work that way anymore. We are the church, and if we don't go, they're not coming to us. That's the culture we live in. That's just the culture we live in. So you're exactly right. Until we go, we will not grow or we will not reach our culture that God's placed us in. So, church, thank you for loving my family. Thank you for being a growing, healthy church, and thank you for taking the mission seriously. Let me pray for you, okay, and pray for us. God, before my brothers and sisters here tonight, I want to say a thank you for letting me be part of this family. Uh, Lord, not to mention that you would let me serve uh, as one of the pastors here and the privilege that that is. Thank you for the love that we've experienced. God, thank you for the care we've received. Thank you for the ongoing love. And Lord, it is beyond measure. Uh, God, I thank you that the men and women in this room and are part of this church care about me and care about my family. And they've made that so clear over the past few days. God, I thank you that we have good news to report that the Spirit of God is alive and well in this church body. And God, before you here tonight, Lord, looking back 2,000 years ago since your son died and rose again, the mission is far from over or far from accomplished. And Lord, I pray beginning with me, Lord, continue with me and us and this family that we are so captivated by the glory of Jesus and the pit that we have been delivered from that we go and share that message with those around us, Lord. God, I pray for Steve and Andrew and others and those that are on my list and those that are in our sphere of influence that we want to see come to know you. God, we thank you for tonight, Lord. We thank you for the gift of Austin and Amy and bringing them to our fellowship, Lord. I thank you for the great few weeks we've had of seeing you lead out in that. And we thank you for the future you have for our church. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. Um, wanted to bring a, a word to you tonight um, that I hope will be, uh, you will view as an encouragement and as a sign of health. Over the recent years, our elders and our personnel team have attempted to create an environment that, uh, and supported by policies that would support the physical, the emotional, the spiritual health of our staff, uh, of their spouses, and of their families. And one of the elements of that plan is to periodically assess the need for our pastors to take what we are going to call a proactive sabbatical. About two months ago, as Pastor Mike passed his five-year anniversary as pastor of Tri-Cities Baptist Church, we began holding conversations with him on the subject of a proactive sabbatical. And through those discussions and through much prayer, we have unanimously agreed for Pastor Mike to take a two-month sabbatical over the months of June and July of this year. So let me back up just a minute and explain a little bit about why we would do this and what we hope would be of benefit not only to Pastor Mike but to us as a church body. First of all, the word sabbatical is derived from the word Sabbath. It's 
has different meanings in different contexts. Uh, it's used differently in an academic setting than it is a, a secular setting and, and even a different meaning in the church. For our purpose, it simply means a temporary disconnect from the role as a pastor for the purpose of rest, renewal, and refreshment. As we research the practice of pastors who take sabbaticals across our country, we were surprised to learn that only 5% of churches across our country offer those situations uh, to our pastors to take sabbaticals, and the majority of those are what I would call reactive in nature, and that's why I use the term proactive. Reactive in nature meaning a pastor takes a sabbatical after experiencing a high degree of frustration or burnout, or depression, or a failure morally. Let me assure you that absolutely none of those conditions are present with Pastor Mike. This is not a reactive sabbatical. He did not come to us and say, I'm stressed out, can I have a couple of months off? We engaged in a conversation about a proactive sabbatical. So why would we decide to agree to that? Why would we think that this is important. I've listed five reasons that I want to share with you tonight. The first is that, as you know, the role of a pastor is one of the roles in our society that experiences a very uh, high degree of emotional highs and lows. Not only does it experience a high degree of emotional highs and lows, but the cycle of when those occur is at a very high frequency. Even within the course of one single day, a pastor can experience tragedy, they can experience death, they can experience deep spiritual issues, they can experience criticism, and on that same day they can see the salvation of a soul, they can in their church family experience the birth of a child, they can get an encouraging letter from a friend. And that pattern goes on and on and on over the course of time. The temptation to be on a constant emotional roller coaster day after day can be very draining. Secondly, I would mention and remind us that the role of a pastor is a role that is 24 hours, seven days a week. Most pastors do not have an off switch. Days off, vacations rarely go uninterrupted. And even when they do go uninterrupted, the pastor has a hard time from not being mentally engaged with the affairs of the church that he is called to lead. That's why uh, I want to be real careful to say a, a sabbatical is not an extended vacation. It's more than that. It is truly a time where we ask a pastor to disconnect from the row as a pastor so that there is an opportunity to renew and refresh. The third thing I'll mention is sabbaticals allow a pastor time to experience uninterrupted time for reflection, prayer, and study, something they rarely get over the day-to-day course of being a pastor. Number four, uh, studies show that pastors who take sabbaticals have longer tenure at the churches that they serve. That stands to reason. Pastors who take sabbatical are much more likely to stay long-term at a church because they are much less likely 
to experience the burnout, the frustration that we mentioned earlier. Number five, I'll just mention that pastors who take sabbaticals view their time off as an affirmation of love from the church body that they serve and from the staff that they serve alongside. It is, uh, it is true that we are recommending and taking this action as an affirmation for Pastor Mike himself. But it is equally true that we are doing this not just for the point of serving him, but also as a way to affirm and to serve his wife. And by the way, I didn't plan on saying this, but God has blessed us with an incredible pastor's wife. She carries that row with grace and with joy. And we know also, we didn't, I didn't mention this, but that is one of the hardest spouse positions to be in as a pastor wife. Thank you, Jennifer, for how you do that. We, we do this to affirm and serve her. We do this to affirm and to serve their children. And their family has grown recently, as we've observed, from three to five as they've brought in two more daughters into their home. We do this as a way to affirm and serve Mike's immediate and extended family. When we were in discussions with Mike a couple of months ago, one of the things that was before us at the time and before him at the time was the deteriorating health of his father, Clark. We knew that there was a time on the near term when Mike was going to have to invest more of his time to care for his dad. We had no way of knowing that a couple of months later, his mother, who's the primary caregiver of his father, would pass away. I just count this up to God's providence and timing. God knew that. And what we recognize even more today than we did two months ago is that Mike's extended family needs him more than they normally do. And he's got care decisions and issues for his dad and working with his brother and extended family. So we want to affirm and serve them. This is a way also to affirm and serve our other pastors and staff. We're blessed with a great pastor's wife. We are blessed also with a great staff who can fill easily a two-month gap while Pastor Mike disconnects. We don't need to search for an interim pastor. We don't need to, to look for pulpit supply. This church will function in the months of June and July and not just get stuck in neutral, not just in a holding pattern. We will continue to advance the work of the kingdom in the months of June and July because we have capable leaders of God both on our staff and lay leaders in this room tonight who can easily carry on that mission. The other thing I want to say about that is when I talk about affirming the, the pastors, other staff members, this action sends a message to all of our staff that we are willing to afford them the same opportunities in the future when the right time comes. And finally, this is a way to affirm and serve this church body. This church body, we strongly believe, will be made stronger in the long run 
This is not just a kind gesture toward Pastor Mike, although it is. It's not just that. It's a strategic action to strengthen the body of Tri-Cities Baptist Church. Hebrews 13, 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. It's profitable for a church body to have a pastor who has the opportunity to renew, refresh, recreate, and serve the body full of joy. So I'll close by just, there's not really much of an ask of me and of us other than this. In the months of June and July, um, we're asking Pastor Mike to adjust and disconnect. That requires us to make an adjustment. Our adjustment is this. We need to, during those two months, think of them exclusively and only as brothers and sisters in Christ. We're not asking them to disconnect from the body of Tri-Cities Baptist Church for two months. We're not asking you to, hey, don't contact them or don't say, no, no, they're still going to be part of their life group. They're still going to be plugged into this church. This is their church body. But they need to be viewed and treated during that time as brothers and sisters in Christ, just like we would treat one another and not treated as Pastor Mike. Uh, So that requires an adjustment on my part and your part, so we would ask you to do that and we would ask you obviously to pray for Pastor Mike uh, uh, during this build up to this time and during those, that season in his life. Uh, we are announcing this. It's early March. We've got two and a half months before this occurs, so this is something we want to think through and plan out well. Uh, we will get a communication to the church body at large this week. Um, and... Um, with that anyway now is a good time I tell you what now is a good time for us in this room to affirm our pastor Pastor Mike Lauren will you do that with me Now I want to invite Pastor Paul up to the uh, stage, and I'll give a message to him as he's coming. He's one of the guys that gives us confidence that we can do something like this in June and July because he can. Uh, he wears so many hats. Come on over, Pastor Paul. Um, and I'll tell you, Pastor Paul, you, you keep wearing these hats for the next, I don't know, 20 years, and we'll strongly consider giving you a time of sabbatical. Hello. There we go. My bad. Thanks, David. Appreciate that encouragement. Uh, so, um, yeah, I've got to get my thoughts back together now. Man, it's, it's been such an encouraging night. I love these nights, being able to be a part of the family, being able to hear how God's at work, being able to celebrate life change, celebrate about uh, how people are growing in their faith, people are sharing their faith. And I know I, I say this all the time um, when I get to be here with you, whether it's preaching or in this kind of environment, I'm so thankful for you, and I'm so thankful for this church, and my wife and I to get to be a part of this family. Like, we, we love what God's doing here. We love being a part of it. We count it a privilege. Um, in just a minute, I'm going to invite Austin and Amy to come join me, and you're going to hear a little bit more from them. You kind of got a little uh, inter, uh, interview or a little sneak peek, uh, and you're going to get more of that. We want to be able to do that as a church before we affirm them together. 
But before I ask them to come up, it's really important that you know why and kind of how we got here. And kind of gave a little picture this morning, but I want to give a little bit more because I think it's so important as we continue to move forward as a church family and think about how we invest in the next generation and how we invest in parents and how we invest in grandparents and caregivers and why those things are are so important and, and why and how Austin kind of fits into that. And so um, Jeff read from Psalm 127 earlier, and I'm glad he did. It's become one of my favorite psalms, and it's just, there's just five verses, and I'll just read the last three, because this has become such a convicting thing for me as a parent, as a pastor, an elder here. It says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Children are a blessing, a blessing to parents, a blessing to grandparents. It's a good gift from God. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man whose quiver is filled with, filled with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks to his enemies in the gate. And so children are a blessing. And like Jeff said earlier, they're, they're given to us by God to be arrows, to be launched, to be missionaries. And we say missionaries, it's not just going to the other side of the world, that can be it, but it's going across the street, it's going to the university, it's going wherever God would call them, that it's, it's our role, for those of you in this room who are parents, or who will be parents, or who are grandparents, or caregivers, but the whole congregation, the family of God, to be intentional about how are we helping the next generation be missionaries, to be launched out. Uh, my senior year in high school, I went on my first international mission trip, cross-cultural mission trip to Nicaragua. Um, Dad took me, and um, it began kind of a trajectory that changed my life. And it had been something that had been growing for a long time. But I made a, a huge mistake uh, when I got there. Uh, we landed on a Saturday, time change, all that kind of stuff. Sunday, went to service, and then we came back, and we had this massive lunch, and it was so good. So I had like two or three helpings of lunch because I was a senior in high school, and you just eat a lot. And then proceeded to go out in Nicaragua in like the 100 degrees heat and play basketball all afternoon and not stop and take any water breaks. And so, as you can imagine, dehydration set in, and it was a very like terrible like first couple days of the trip. Uh, but by the end of the trip, God began doing something in my life. He began like changing my heart towards some things. I was thinking about college and career and future and all that kind of stuff. And at that time in my life, I had no desire for ministry whatsoever. Like that was the furthest thing from what I wanted to ever be a part of, was to ever be a pastor. And so, but I got back and it got offered the opportunity to go and do an internship with them and spend kind of the summer there. And so I said yes. And then I got back into the semester and family and just decided, man, I don't want to go. Like, I don't want to go spend my summer in Nicaragua. I want to go get ready for college and all that kind of stuff. So I came up with an ingenious plan. I'd already committed to going, so I couldn't say no, but I could just choose not to raise support. You know, so that was my idea. If I don't raise support, I don't have the money, I can't go. And so, you know, that was my plan. And so I went to church the next Sunday, and I don't recommend this for fundraising for mission trips, this strategy, uh, but I got to church the next day, had a guy from our church come up to me and say, hey, I heard you're going on this internship over the summer. God has laid it on my heart to raise all your money for you. <laughs> and again, it's never happened since. I wouldn't recommend it as like your strategy to go on a mission trip. But, and he did. I didn't raise a single cent and went. And God used that to completely begin changing the trajectory of my life. And what was happening was at home and at church, 
my family and my church family were shaping me to be an arrow, to be launched out, to change the way I was looking at life, to view it through God's lens. And now as a parent and as a pastor, I feel that weight. I feel that responsibility. I feel that calling for our people and for our kids. In this passage, it ends by saying, he shall not be put to shame when he speaks to his enemies at the gate. You guys know this. Our kids are going to face the enemy. The question is, will they be put to shame or not? Every parent, every grandparent, our children will face the enemy in the gate. Will they be put to shame? Will they not? Feel that tension. And so in Ephesians 4, when Paul's talking to the leaders of churches, elders, pastors like myself, he says that we are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's our calling. That's our job to hold out the word of truth and help prepare people and grow them in God's word. And one of the primary ways that's supposed to happen is through the family. And Deuteronomy chapter 6 talks about how we are to teach diligently our children these things. What things? To love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And so we as elders have been wrestling through, how do we do that? What does that look like for our church? And out of that has been birthed many different things. One of the main ones has been the family discipleship plan, which, again, we've talked about that a lot, but I want to just emphasize to you that this is a roadmap for families. It's how we help prepare the next generation to be arrows that launch out for the glory of God on mission? How do we help prepare children and students to stand and face their enemy in the gate and not be put to shame? And so it's a strategic guide for moms and dads begin thinking, okay, at whatever stage of life my child is, how I move them to the next one and the next one, next one, in their understanding of God's word. And there's so many things I could talk about in this in the family discipleship plan, but just a couple that are really important for us to understand. One, for this to work, it takes us as the church family to do it together. Not, it's not a program. It's not a curriculum. It's a conviction that we want to help families, moms and dads. We want to help each other grow in God's word. And if moms and dads, think about this, begin to work with their children, begin to work with their grandchildren, if you're a grandparent, begin to help walk them through foundation, who God is, to story, the gospel, and how that fits inside God's word in our lives, identity, what it looks like for us to be in Christ, influence, how I leverage my life for Christ. If parents begin to do that with their children, here's what happens. You begin to see life differently. And so, like, my daughter, right now, she's been struggling with fear of the dark and fear of her room. And so most every night around 3 o'clock, she's standing over my bed about, you know, I almost pee in the bed when I realize someone's standing over me in the bed, my daughter, and she's scared, and I don't know why she does that instead of coming and tap me. She just stands there. She's scared. So I can either at that moment, which I want to do, just go, you know, put her to bed and go back along, or... If I'm thinking about God's word and I'm talking to her about God's word and I'm talking to her about how God is powerful. He's more powerful than creation. He's more powerful than sin. He's more powerful than death. Then I can talk to my daughter who I've been in God's word and say, hey, remember this? God is more powerful than what? Well, than creation. God is more powerful than what? He's stronger than death. He's, he's greater than what you're afraid of in your room. It changes the way 
that we have conversations with our kids. It changes the way we look at life. Another thing it changes for us as parents is it changes our view of God because we all know, and I think we could raise hands, I won't make you do it, but sometimes we struggle in our own pursuit of God, struggle in our own understanding of God's Word. And so if we begin to work with our children foundation and story and identity and influence, if we do that as parents, not only are we teaching our children, but you know what we're doing? We're teaching ourselves. We're holding ourselves accountable. We're growing with our children so that one day when they graduate, they become adults, they come outside of our care. We pray that they're ready to stand in front of the enemy and not be put to shame. So how does that connect to Austin and Amy? Well, as we've been going through this process, it's becoming very evident to us that for us to really be able to help equip moms and dads, grandparents, caregivers, to be able to serve our children, that we needed a pastor to be able to come alongside of myself and our next-gen team to help us continue that work, to help us grow in that work. Not just someone who could run programs or plan events or trips, but someone who could come and be a shepherd who could equip leaders within our church, who could come help hold out and teach the word of truth, who could help develop the family discipleship plan, help us implement it, help us walk families through that. And so we've been praying fervently for the last five months, Lord, please guide us to this person and and them to us. And kind of through God's faithfulness and his sovereign goodness toward us, God has intersected um, our lives uh, with the Whittingtons. And um, I'm so thankful he's done that. And so over the last, really, three months, we've been talking, we've been praying, our elders have met with them, we've been praying, and we just feel in full confidence that Austin and Amy, that God has brought them here to help join us in this effort. And I told the Next Gen team this, and this is all I'll say, and it'll come up. Um, and I just want to tell you this. They're not the heroes. Uh, they're not, like, super pastors are not the superheroes of the church we're ordinary people just like you trying to love and follow jesus but they are man woman husband and wife who love the lord they believe in the church they're called to serve the church and we really do believe as your leadership that god has brought them here to help serve alongside of us for such a time as this so i just want to invite austin and amy if you'll come up and what we're going to do now is i'm going to have them just share a little bit more about kind of what God's been doing in their life over the last several months and their background so you can get to know them. Uh, and then we're going to have just a time of affirmation as, as a church um, over them. So would you guys just welcome Austin and Amy? So this morning, uh, you all shared a little bit with us just kind of about background and and family, but would you mind just taking a few more minutes just to kind of tell us a little bit more about kind of growing up and ministry and kind of what God's been doing in your life over the last several years, but um, yeah, just a little bit about who you guys are. Well, sure. Um, I'm originally from Jackson, Mississippi, so just to go ahead and throw that out there, that is where I'm from. Um, Not from any other country other than this one. Um, (laughs) Just to make sure we say that. Um, but I grew up, I like to say I grew up in a Christian home, in a Christian environment. Uh, my mom was a believer in Christ, but my dad was not. 
And so um, definitely my mom picked up that baton of family discipleship um, and, and instilled in me and my brother and my sister just a love for God's word, a love for his church, a love for his son Jesus. And um, through that and the partnership of, of my home church, um, I accepted Jesus as my savior at the age of eight and through Vacation Bible School. And um, just saw God do uh, amazing work in my life all the way through middle school and high school, just being mentored and discipled by my youth pastor. He kind of took a group of guys in middle school who um, we just felt like God might have a special call upon our lives for for, uh, Christian ministry and um, was discipled that way. And so uh, the way that uh, God called me into kids ministry specifically is that I kind of uh, came to him and just said, I would love to have an opportunity to work for the church and um, would want that. And he said, no. Um, mainly because there was nothing available. Um, so he ended up putting me in kids' ministry, which for a 14-year-old boy is not your dream, um, but ended up working um, as the intern's intern at my home church um, in the kids' ministry. And um, just over a very short amount of time in middle school, high school, really began to fall in love with that ministry and then realized, um, you know, that was God's call upon my life. Um, so went all the way, worked um, in my home church um, in kids' ministry for, uh, from middle school, high school, college. Um, went to seminary, um, thought, okay, it's my time to kind of break out and kind of uh, go, to, go do something else and do something different. Um, but it, at the same time, God kept drawing me back into kids' ministry. So I worked for a church in Memphis um, for a year and a half or so, and then um, God brought me to where we are now in Carville, Tennessee, and we've been there for the past decade, um, serving in kids' ministry specifically. Um, Amy and I uh, went to college together at Mississippi College outside of Jackson, Mississippi, and um, we actually met through a semester study program in London and um, became a, just had a close friendship um, at, the, at first, um, kind of became friends in college and um, were dating different people at the time. But God intersected our lives again through seminary. Amy is originally from the Memphis area, and um, I moved up to Memphis area for seminary. And so we reconnected that way, and um, the rest is history, as they say. We started dating and then fell in love, and um, we're married right around the end of our, sem- our time in seminary. And we have uh, two boys, which hopefully if you've seen the video, you've been exposed to them. Um, and so they are uh, Tyler, our five-year-old, and Jackson, our three-year-old. And so um, that's, our, that's our little family. Um, but we just, uh, we just Amy and I, um, we just have a heart to serve together. I mean, we just really, um, she has taught me so much about ministry, and she'll, I'll let her tell you a little bit about that, about her background in ministry. But um, she just has a, a love for um, ministry, for people, and um, has really sharpened me in that area, um, how to open, open doors of ministry towards people. And so um, I just think God has placed a very special call upon our lives, and um, we never saw that coming, that God would call us to full-time kids' ministry for the rest of our lives. Um, and he may have different plans, but we know um, with a firm, firm belief that this is the ministry that God's called us to. Amy, what about you? Tell us a little bit about kind of your background and kind of how God's been at work in your life. Um, well, I grew up in a Christian home, and um, my dad is in ministry um, in the Memphis area. He's been at the same church for almost 30 years. And um, I was saved as a young girl through um, the influence of uh, my parents, my family, and, and my church together. And um, I loved growing up in ministry, um, watching my dad and my mom serve our church. Um, I have always had just a love um, for serving, and I, wherever my dad was in our church, that's where I always wanted to be. 
And um, I've, just, I've just always had that love. And I always knew that God had something very special for my life. And as I grew older, I, I even prayed, you know, Lord, I want to be in ministry. I want to marry somebody in ministry. And God um, answered that, that prayer and gave me the desire of my heart um, when he led me to Austin. But um, the Lord has just blessed me um, in so many ways. Um, and I do want to just say that one of the ways is that God uh, brought so many wonderful people in my life to invest in me and disciple me growing up. Not just, I mean, obviously my parents first, but other men and women. And one of them is actually your pastor's wife, Jennifer. And when I was in high school, she um, discipled me and um, taught me what it was like to study the Bible and, and memorize scripture. And I didn't even really know that's what she was doing, but I just loved her. And, and um, anyway, she has left an imprint on my life, and I'm very grateful for that. Um, and so, do you want to answer any more questions? That's great. That's great. So you have to be honest, though. Did you always want to marry a kid's pastor? No. <laughs> no. I, told him, I always thought I would be a pastor's wife or a youth minister's wife, but um, he convinced me to marry him because he told me that um, kids don't call you after 8 o'clock and, you know, they have to go to bed. So, you know, it's, it's a good thing to, to Lock-ins are minimal with yeah. children. Yeah. 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 So he won me over. Yeah. He's a smart man. So you didn't have to say much about this, Austin, but I would love, you were sharing with our next-gen team earlier, what role did your dad play in kind of your conviction when it comes to ministry and ministry to families? How's that helped shape you for what you're doing now? Well, um, just to kind of rewind just a little bit, I share with you that um, my father was not saved when I was growing up, and that was just a huge part of my childhood is just praying for my dad and longing so much. Um, I had... (laughs) And I shared this, I think, at the elders meeting, but I had so many wonderful influences in my life. My mom, obviously, uh, my family, um, so many men in my church, um, my youth pastor. But who I wanted most was my dad. Um, that's who I wanted to hear most from. That's who I wanted to be discipled by. Um, and I even, I, I didn't know how to articulate that at the time as an eight-year-old child and, and above. But, but looking back, um, that's what I desired the most, was to be discipled by my dad. And so um, years later, um, just to share a quick story, when um, I was beginning our new ministry at the current church that we're at, um, I was supposed to start that, that a particular Sunday, and I had to call my pastor and tell him, I can't start this Sunday, and I'm sorry, um, but I'm going to be home for my dad's baptism. Because a few days before, my dad had called me and said, I've got to tell you something, um, I accepted Jesus as my Savior. Um, and this was the age of 53. Um, so just... Being able to walk through that and and to see, you know, the life transformation in my dad and to see um, that was such a longing in my heart, I think that connects also to just um, my calling as a kid's pastor and um, and family discipleship and understanding that um, even though boys and girls may not know how to articulate um, what they need spiritually, um, I know it's there. I know it exists. I know that they have a passion and a heart for to be discipled by their mom and their dad. Um, so that just kind of leads me to be more passionate about investing in, in leaders, investing in parents, but specifically even investing in men, investing in dads, and seeing dads come up with those wins um, in family discipleship. So um, that just catapulted me, I think, into an area of ministry that I never foresaw. But it's amazing to see how God uses those things to, to bring them full circle. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So uh, you guys are, are coming from a church you've been at for 10 years, serving faithfully. You're not running from anything. 
Um, I've had just a great time there. So uh, why transition to East Tennessee to come be a part of, you know, a next-gen program here? Like, wh- how has God gotten you f- from there to this point? Um, just r- real briefly, just to share about that, and trust me, that's a question we've asked ourselves a thousand times. Um, why is God bringing us here? And I, I think we've pinpointed it on a couple of things, but I'll, I'll kind of zero in on one. And just um, shared with a little bit with the Next Gen team that God's just done an amazing work in our hearts in the past five years, just being parents, um, leading out in more family ministry as opposed to just strictly focus on children to focusing on parents, focusing on leaders. And so I think God has transitioned us into, into that. And so we, we felt like all this time that God was building us for some reason, for something other than where we were. And we don't even know how to describe that or say that, but we just, we knew um, where we were was just a context that we couldn't really fully reach our potential um, in family discipleship. And so um, we just began seeing that in our own lives, in our own hearts, in our own ministry, that God was preparing us for something. had no idea if it was five years later, 10 years later, 20 years later, uh, we're prepared to stay where we were. Um, God had called us there, and we were not going to leave unless God called us away. But once we began to talking to Tri-Cities, we, I think we began to see something that we call a growth point for us, um, a growth point for us um, in our marriage, a growth point for us in our family, and a growth point for us in ministry, that um, Tri-Cities was a place that we felt like um, we, we could come with all the, the life transformation that has happened with us, all the resources we've been exposed to with family discipleship and family ministry. Tri-Cities was a place that we could jump in and get our, get our feet wet with all of that. And so I think the um, best way to say it, though, to recap is just to say um, God is calling us here. And that's why we're leaving. We're not, um, we obviously are leaving a lot behind, um, a great family, a great church family, lots of friends, but God's called us here. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you're coming from where your family is, your church family, all that to come here, uh, which is just such a cool thing for us. Um, you know, I wish we had time to share more kind of about what the last few months have, have looked like in conversations. You told us no. You know, I originally asked you, you know, and, you know, God works through all that. And uh, But uh, the, one of the first conversations, I think the first conversation we ever had when I got off the phone, I talked to Pastor Daniel and then went home and talked to Katie. And I was amazed by, I felt like I was talking to someone who'd been on our staff team for the last five years, you know, just about the same vision, direction, love for families, love for the mission, wanting to see those things happen that we long for as a church family and just God uniting hearts and working those things out. So it's just been such a cool process. And so this is where we are. Our, our elder team has had an opportunity to pray and meet and discuss, and we in full confidence uh, believe that this is God's, you know, direction for our church family. And, and so what I'd like to do now is I'd like to invite the other elders up to join me on stage, and we just want to pray a prayer of affirmation over them. So guys, if you want to come on up, that'd be awesome. Uh, and then as a church, we're just going to encourage them and what's happening. And so, um, Daniel, if you don't mind, if you would be willing to just pray over, I'll let you take this. And guys, if you want to gather around, we're just going to lay hands on them. And church family, I just encourage you just to either, you can outlift hands to them, but just pray over them. We really do believe that this is God's will and direction, and what they're walking into is a weighty task. Uh, Austin's not just someone who's leading a children's program. He's a shepherd at Tri-Cities Baptist Church. That's what he's called to do, to help shepherd the flock, to lead 
uh, together with us. And so that's a heavy call um, for him and for his wife, but we are so excited about what God has in these days. So, Daniel, would you lead us in prayer? And church family, would you just pray for them as we pray as well? Heavenly Father, we praise you. We thank you. Lord, you are at work in our lives when we have no clue what you are going to do. And you work everything out, every detail for good and a good that we cannot comprehend. Lord, I thank you for what you are doing in our families here at Tri-Cities Baptist Church. Lord, I pray that you would continue to show us favor, that you would work great ways that would lead to personal revivals and family revivals at home. Lord, I thank you for Austin and for Amy. I thank you for their willingness and their sensitivity to your spirit, that they would be open to follow your calling. Lord, I pray that you would give them favor in this place. Lord, I pray that you would go before them, that you would surround them with lay leaders and people in our church who are hungry and excited to see your word reach out to the next generation. Lord, I pray that through them, not because of their gifts or not because of something special in them, but because of your power and your spirit in them, Lord, that you would spark a revival in our young children and in their families. Lord, I pray that grandparents would get involved and be rallied around. Lord, I pray that dads would step up and be heads of the home and spiritual leaders. And Lord, I pray that all these things would be encouraging to Austin and to Amy and to their family. Lord, I pray that we as a church would come around them and encourage them, that they would feel loved here, that they would feel appreciated here. Lord, I pray that we would be excited to celebrate their gifts that you've sent to our church, Lord, and we would be patient with their weaknesses, that we would see them as a brother and as a sister. Father, I pray that you would go before us as a church, Lord, not just because we have a a family discipleship plan, but Lord, but we really genuinely pursue We want to see our families grow deeper, more diligent in making disciples of the next generation. So, Lord, go before us and work these things out. Work in spite of us. And, Lord, do an amazing thing in our church. We thank you for the calling you placed on Austin's life. We thank you for the fact that he is a pastor and a shepherd. And we thank you for bringing him here. We pray that you would work all these things out, the things that go beyond our comprehension and beyond the things that we can see today for your good, and that we may praise you for this moment for years and generations to come. We pray all these things in the name of your Son, the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, church family, based on recommendation of our elders and affirmation over the last several weeks of prayer, we just welcome our new kids pastor, Austin Whittington, with me this morning. I promise I am the last speaker, so if you'll give me like five to six minutes and we'll uh, we'll be done. I'm going to be joined by uh, Will Morris here on the stage for just a minute. Uh, I'm going to say something uh, kind of similar to what Daniel said a minute ago. He he gave his own opinions about something just a minute ago, so I'm going to do do it for just a second too. Uh, I believe and think uh, our family discipleship plan is world class. I also think the Tri-Cities Leadership Training Program that we facilitate here 
is also world-class and a unique opportunity to train and equip and send out leaders to impact the nations and to impact our church. That's already happening. I believe it because it changed me and it changed many of the folks sitting around you. It's very likely that somebody has already participated in this program is near you and you, you benefit from their ministry already. Uh, I have somebody here with me, uh, Will Morris, who is a member of Cohort 2 of the Leadership Training Program and I just want you to hear from him a little bit. I can tell you this is, a, this is something great that you should pray for, that you should encourage people to participate in. I think it's helpful to hear from someone going through it now. Uh, so Will, just a, kind of tell us why you're doing this, what you're aspiring to, uh, what do you want to do uh, in the coming years? Okay, well, um, I felt a calling of ministry on my life for a long time. Um, it started out as wanting to be just like my dad who was in ministry, um, but then it grew as I went to college and I started coming to this church. Um, it grew into a passion for um, serving believers and not only seeking to see the lost saved, but seeking to see those who had been saved discipled and um, to come to love the word of God. And so um, I have a strong calling in that direction. I don't have any sort of leading yet on specifically where that's going to lead me in ministry, um, but I know that I want to do something that is uh, discipling believers. So, Yeah, so is this program, you're almost maybe a fourth of the way through so far, uh, is this program helping you to pursue that? And what are you learning? How is this helping you pursue that calling on your life? Well, it's helping me in a couple ways. Um, one, it's helping me to practically know things. Um, that a lot of the time we, um, we don't like to talk about just gaining knowledge, but it really does give us a lot of knowledge. And I have seen where that's beneficial in teaching people in my newly formed marriage that I got, I got married recently. And um, we've been reading through the book of Acts because my wife wasn't very familiar with a lot of the stories of scripture. And just in reading through Acts, I have realized that constantly I'm able to stop and I'm able to apply things in Acts and able to show context and um, just give these brief explanations of things that I would have had no idea about before doing seminary. And that's um, made me realize that going forward in life as I uh, become some sort of leader and discipler um, is giving me those simple knowledge things to, uh, to show people. But more than that, it is changing me um, on a heart level and it is giving me a different worldview. And we talked this weekend a lot in seminary about our worldview um, but I'm seeing it in my job right now, working full-time um, at a news station. I'm seeing how seminary is forming how I see the world. I see the news happen every single day, and I'm going to things that are ranging from um, murder cases to uh, election offices and um, just seeing this wide range of um, society in my job every single day. And it's going through a filter that I never really had before. Um, I, had, I had some filter of scripture, but this has deepened it so much um, and made me want to please the Lord in every aspect of life, um, in every, every piece of culture that I touch through, through my job at work. 
So you're hearing a man articulate that he's developing a biblical worldview that informs everything that he thinks about. And it's a, that is a fantastic thing to see. That's what we, uh, we pray that for you. That's what we, we want to lead you to do uh, as well. Uh, so there's a couple things I want you to think about. Uh, this is a hard program. Seminary is not easy. It is really hard and really accelerated. Uh, they'll be done in 21 months. That's a lot of work in 21 months. We'll already mentioned he's newly married. He has a full-time job at a news station. So the biggest thing you can do for him and the other six members of this cohort is to pray for them. Uh, you can encourage them when you see them. Ask them how their studies are going. Ask them if there's anything that uh, they need. If you uh, if Just buy their lunch. Uh, you can also support them financially. Uh, I am not above asking you to prayerfully consider helping them with some of the cost of this program. Uh, it is about $18,000, somewhere in that general area, for tuition and books and fees and travel and all those types of things. Uh, you can be a blessing uh, to this group of people uh, and help them continue to develop as Will has articulated to you. So when you see them, ask them how it's going, offer to take them to lunch. You'll see them around you already benefit from their service. You see them teaching your children in kids' ministry. Uh, most of the, the screens are on and the sound works because uh, Brett Stover makes sure all that happens. Uh, you, uh, you are, uh, if you attend the Johnson City campus, the person that leads worship for you most weeks is participating in this program. So they're embedded all throughout the church body and you receive benefit uh, from their deepening and in instruction. So uh, if you guys will just give Will a hand, just affirm him and the other uh, members of the cohort. Thank you. Uh, to, to finish this conversation up of this leadership training program, I want to make, make you aware of something else, too. Many of you know this. We are always recruiting for this thing. We are always looking uh, for people that might have an interest in pursuing this uh, in the future. We're actively right now working on Cohort 3. It, when I say that, it's, my mind goes back to a, could this really even happen? But now we're recruiting for Cohort 3. So if you know somebody or you yourself might be interested, you can go on the website tcbchurch.org slash seminary. You can grab me or Pastor Daniel. I'm going to be more than happy uh, to explain the program to you and have a further conversation with you. Uh, if you want to know more about uh, how you can help scholarship someone or help give, uh, we can do that for you as well. Uh, one other thing I want to say is we, uh, as a local church, are trying to facilitate similar things to what Will's articulating. Now, he pays for it quite a bit, and he gives a lot of time and attention, and he has some, a lot of accountability in writing papers and taking tests and so forth, but we facilitate opportunities for you and implore you and lead you to spend time investing in the Word of God in community with other people, in small groups, in study groups, in life groups. This program has influenced what we teach and how we teach it. We're able now to offer uh, things like core doctrines classes and Old Testament and New Testament surveys and life on mission study groups and all those things partially because of the influence it's had on some of the folks that have already rotated through the cohort. So this, this impacts our church in more ways uh, than you could ever see or know. Um, we're going to end tonight by real quick talking about membership. We always do this at a family meeting. Uh, we are going to welcome and recognize about 16 people that are uniting with our church family tonight. You'll see their pictures and uh, names on the screen there behind you. Daniel mentioned this earlier. 
Uh, it is an amazing thought to think that the last two years, a combined about 170 people have come and united with our faith family here. You'll see folks from both the Johnson City campus and the Gray campus there on the screen. And so one of the things I just want to remind you, when someone becomes a member of our church, what it is they're saying or doing. Okay? They're saying, Jesus Christ, <laughs> Jesus Christ. There's the person that laughed this morning during your sermon, the same one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Uh, um, they're saying that Jesus has saved me and rescued me, and I have followed through. I have responded and have identified to the world that relationship by following through in believer's baptism. Daniel explained that really well if you were here this morning, how we do that. Okay? They've also read and affirmed our membership promises. Things like, I'm going to... Com- commit to serve and be served by our local church body. They're saying, I'm going to uh, attempt to participate in biblical fellowship and community through uh, small groups. We're going to gather to worship. We're going to support the uh, leadership of our church, uh, things like that. The church also promises to facilitate those things for them, like helping equip them to pursue the Great Commission, helping uh, facilitate them, facilitate for them, Uh, deepening them in God's word and preaching uh, the authority of Scripture, by the authority of Scripture, the whole counsel, the word of God. Those are things that the church promises together. Those are not just things that our elders uh, do or that our staff does. Those are things that are the responsibility of the whole church body and whole church family. It's been a a great night. Like Paul, uh, these are some of my favorite nights of the year. Uh, We've seen and heard a lot of great testimonies, things God has done already. And I personally am really, really excited about what's in the future for us. And so I'm going to close this in prayer. And as I'm doing that, if we've got some, there's several new members here tonight that we're welcoming. They're going to come and be lined up down along the front here while I'm praying. And if you guys would, just come and welcome them and introduce yourselves to them and get to know them, okay? So I'm going to close this and then we'll be dismissed. God, this is your church. Uh, This is uh, your ransomed bride who you have um, sacrificed much for, who you shed your blood for. Uh, You have uh, called us out, redeemed us, and placed us here in this place to be an example, to be a light, to be uh, a witness of your goodness and grace to those around us. I pray that as we seek to pursue uh, faithful obedience to you, that compels us to know and understand you more, that that compels us to take what you've done for us and to take what we have, how we have, what we've learned about you and what, how we have tasted your grace and mercy and open our mouths, be bold enough to open our mouths and proclaim that to those around us and to Honduras and around the world other places. I pray that as you continue to build your church, we'd be faithful stewards of the people you bring to us. We'd be faithful to disciple them, to teach them, to equip them, and then send them out. We love you and thank you for all you're doing here in us and through us and pray uh, that as we seek uh, to glorify you, uh, that you receive all the glory, honor, and praise for it and not ourselves. It's in your name I pray. Amen. You guys have a great rest of the night and come down here. And I saw some. I know I saw. They must have left a second. There they are. They just, there we go. There'll be several coming on down. So come and say hello to them and you guys are dismissed, okay?
Our hearts are open. Come now. 